My name is Hala Mohideen. I'm the host of the Outworth podcast, and I'm also a subscriber to The Ferret, which is an award-winning investigative news site. And we're very proud of our new partnership with The Ferret. They're delighted to have us too, so much so that if you go to theferret.scots and subscribe using the code out with 19, you'll get a third of an annual subscription and you'll get three months if you choose a monthly subscription. So that's three months free or a third of an annual subscription, all by using the code out with 19. It's a good deal. You should check them out. The ferret are great. We're very proud to be partnered with them. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Out With, the podcast that takes you beyond the headlines and beyond our borders. I'm Hala Mohideen. Now, anyone who follows international news will be aware of the case of Jamal Khashoggi. He's the Saudi journalist who was murdered inside the Saudi embassy in Turkey. Now, the backlash after the murder in October 2018 has been fierce, and we're recording this in February 2019, and the controversy is still ongoing. One consequence of this perhaps unwelcome global scrutiny is that it's shone a sharp spotlight on Saudi Arabia, its ruler, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, and the decisions that MBS, as he's also known, has taken since coming to power. Now, one of those decisions which has received much less in the way of coverage is the ongoing war in Yemen. The civil war in the Arab world's poorest country has been going on for well over four years now, and it's having devastating consequences. Close to 20 million people there are at risk of famine, and there appears to be no end in sight. So what is Saudi Arabia's involvement? How is this war linked to the murder of Jamal Khashoggi? And are we all in the West, and in Scotland in particular, are we complicit in the humanitarian disaster which is ongoing in Yemen? Well, to find out, I'm joined by Billy Briggs, an investigative freelance uh, journalist who also works with the ferrets. Now, Billy, you have been covering this story for quite some time. Thank you so much for coming into the kitchen and Hi. appearing on the podcast. How Hello. did you start getting involved in, in the, the story around Yemen? How did you get into it? I'd um, reported for the Sunday Mail newspaper uh, around 2014 about an attack in Gaza which involved um, Paveway 4 missiles. Now, they're, they're smart bombs that are made in uh, Fife by Raytheon, a US arms firm. Um, when the Yemen conflict uh, escalated in March 2014, when the Saudis started bombing um, Yemen, we started to look at um, if, well, we investigate to see whether Paveway 4 missiles were being used. Um, so much of my reporting since then um, has focused on um, Raytheon, the US arms firm mm. that has their factory in Glenrothes, uh, the use of Paveway 4 missiles in the conflict. Um, and I've reported for the Sunday Mail, Sunday Post, and the ferrets produce a lot of reports um, surrounding that issue. So. They certainly have. So tell us what these missiles are. I'm not very, uh, you know, I'm not with the, the, the term. What, what, what do these missiles do? What's a smart missile? Um, Paveway 4 
bombs are, are, are massive bombs that are guided by um, laser-guided systems. And it, Raytheon is um, the fourth largest arms company in the world. It's got a factory in Glenrothes, Fife, uh, where over 700 people are employed. It's their, That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge contributor to the, the local economy. Um, it's their premier plant in the UK. Uh, they've moved all their production to um, Glenrothes. So, yeah, it's a, it's a massive um, project. Um, and it's, you know, Raytheon rarely comments um, at, at all. But I mean, they have pointed out that, you know, the, the money they generate for the economy is huge. Yeah. Um, they've also received funding from the Scottish government um, through Scottish Enterprise, just over £200,000. Huh. Which has caused some controversy. Yeah, but one might think, yeah. <laughs> because I'm guessing these missiles aren't cheap and they won't be short of a bob or two. What are they doing getting money from Scottish Enterprise for? Um, to, well, that, that's um, a, a bone of contention. Um, Scottish Enterprise have been criticised for funding the arms industry. Yeah. Um, they've disputed the fact that they're actually funding the arms industry. They say that their money's for diversification. Um, but groups like Campaign Against the Arms Trade and the Scottish Greens have been calling them out for that and they've been disputing that. Um, so it, it's still a bit vague. It's, um, you know, exactly what the money's been used for and Raytheon hasn't commented so far. Right. I mean, I'm just a bit surprised to hear that, that, that missiles like this are being manufactured in Scotland. It's not something that, I, I guess, you wouldn't sort of put an advert in the paper saying, you know, Great, great news. This is what we're doing. But it, it, I mean, what they actually produce at Raytheon is the, the laser guided systems. Oh, just the laser guided systems for oh, the right. okay. for the missiles. Yeah. But so it's parts. They're of actually this. bombs. Right. Sorry. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you know, still, so so there is we're industry here is feeding into this uh, this chain that's 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 putting the the bombs together. Yeah. Yeah, and the saudis um the saudi led coalition mm. which has been um conducting airstrikes in yemen for for four years now they've been accused of multiple war crimes mm. by um targeting um schools hospitals um civilian structures uh there, there's there's been scores of alleged war crimes and um, some of them have been linked back to the pathway for missiles hmm. um, so there's been pressure on the uk government to stop their arms sales to the Saudis because of these allegations of war crimes. Right. Let, let's look at the, the, the war itself. For, you know, most people will be aware that there is a war in Yemen, although you'd be forgiven for thinking. Otherwise, it doesn't really, you know, top the top the headlines uh, in the, the nightly news bulletins. What, give us just some background about this conflict. You know, Yemen, difficult to pinpoint on a map. Um, how did it start? Why did it start? Do you have any info on that? Um, yeah, it can be traced back to the um, Arab Spring of 2011. Mm -hmm. um, the long-serving um, President Saleh had been in power for quite a long time. He uh, was um, viewed as being authoritarian. Um, he handed over power to his deputy, um, Mansour Hadi, mm -hmm. um, who... Dealt, had to deal with quite a lot of problems. There was militant attacks from the, the Houthis mm -hmm. um, who were um, 
opposed to Saudi Arabia's influence in the northern part of Yemen. Mm -hmm. So it, it, the, the conflict kind of has its roots there. Um, in 2014, the Houthis took over Sana'a. President Hadi went into exile, went to Saudi Arabia, and that's when the Saudis and the coalition of Arab nations decided to start so bombing. To, to yeah. So it kind of escalated at that point. Mm -hmm. um, the Saudi-led coalition is backed by America, UK, and France. Mm -hmm. the, the Houthis are backed by Iran. So it's almost like a proxy war kind of situation, isn't it? You've got the Sunni-Shiite dynamic yeah. as well, right. um, um, which is at the heart of it. But yeah, it's like a proxy war. And in the middle of it, you've got this country, which is, well, even before all this kicked off, it was one of the poorest countries in yeah. the world, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, so the, the, the problems it's now it's facing a catastrophe. Mm. The humanitarian situation is, is absolutely dire. I think the UN is meeting in Geneva today to try and um, raise some urgent more mm. funds for aid to help the population. So in terms of the, you know, so, so this war has been going on for, well, let's just say years now, um, abs absolutely years. And, you know, it, it's not frequently in the news. It does tend to pop up occasionally when you see, you know, one of the more recent um Articles was and this all this sort of happened after in the aftermath of the Khashoggi murder, mm -hmm. um, when people were starting to say, "Wait a minute, so Saudi Arabia is doing this. This is what they're also involved in." And then you start seeing the, I mean, there's harrowing pictures that come out of, of Yemen. So there's a lot of, you know, malnourished children. Um, the New York Times was publishing just devastating like photojournalism reports and, and and so on, and the, the effect that's having on the people there really is I mean it's like nothing I've ever seen before yeah I mean the New York Times have done some excellent reporting um CNN have been in um the BBC uh, produced some some good reports um yeah completely harrowing images have been coming out of starving children there's been a cholera outbreak mm. as well um health the health system's virtually collapsed yeah um schools have been destroyed it's you know it's the un has been saying now for two three years it's, it's absolutely desperate yeah. um one of the problems has been getting in uh the, the big media beasts have managed to get in on occasion to get reports out but there's a lack of independent reporting generally from within yemen mm -hmm. so it's difficult to to understand what's happening on the ground there's a lot of various actors involved as well al-qaeda's been and other jihadi groups have been fighting the Houthis. Yeah. So there's that dynamic as well. Um, Bit of a free-for-all, no? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's a, it's a complete quagmire. It's a complete mess. Mm. Um, and it's a bit vague about what exactly um, Britain and America's role is. They say that they pro provide weapons uh, and technical support, um, but there's not been much transparency um, about what else they may be involved in. Right. So you mentioned that Larger organisations have have managed to to get in there. It has to be said, you know, it's a case of getting in and getting out. You tried as well, didn't you? You tried to get into Yemen. Uh, we did a couple of years ago. We contacted people inside Sana, the capital um, fixers. Mm. Um, they were recommended by Human Rights Watch. Uh, we had a conversation with them about going in. Mm. The costs were extortionate. We were quoted about five hundred dollars a day. Um, I work with a photographer, and as a few as a freelance team, we fund our own trips, then try mm -hmm. and recover costs. 
Um, we worked it out it was going to cost probably around 10 grand to go in for two weeks, uh, which was beyond our, our resources. Uh, we also then looked at getting a grant um, mm. from an American organisation, but we needed a commission in advance and um, the media outlets in the UK didn't want to give a commission in advance because if anything happened, they would then have a duty of care yeah. to you. Um, so it's not been possible to yeah. go in, which is not ideal. So I've had to focus my report on from the Scottish angle of, of, right. of, of Raytheon and its pay for four missiles. Let's, let's come to the, the, the weapons in a second. It's interesting, you were talking about sort of the difficulty of getting access. Um, like, you know, I've been sort of following this story for, for a long time. Um, and I interviewed a, a representative from a charity and they had managed, you know, she talks about how difficult it was just to get into Yemen. So even in terms of NGOs, charities, aid workers, they, they found it exceptionally difficult to get in because the the, the Saudi-led coalition is, you know, they, 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 you know, they sort of block access, it's not difficult to get into. And then when you, from the other side, from the Houthis and their supporters, they too are blocking access. And... I put it to her, you know, what, you know, these kids are starving. These people are on the brink of famine. I don't understand why we've not called it famine yet. You know, it's uh, it, it has been going on for so long. And she said to me that the difficulty was just, you know, they have aid. We just can't get it in. You just can't get it in. The ports are controlled and there's almost, it's using foods almost as a weapon of war, you know, blocking the access of, of any kind of aid into the country. So there are, you know, some people who are doing quite well out of it, you know, skimming a bit off the top and saying, we'll only let you take these trucks in if you give, you know, half of it to me and the soldiers and, and, and whatnot. So it's, a, it's you know, you know, you look at it like that, almost 10 grand for two weeks could almost seem like a bargain, just the difficulty of getting in and the difficulty of actually reaching the people who are suffering the most is just what's perhaps most striking about this. Yeah, but, um, commercial flights were stopped for months at a time into mm. to Sana. Um, UN flights were going in. We were told that some journalists were going in on UN flights, but then that stopped because the Saudis were putting pressure on the UN. Um weren't able to independently verify that. Um, yes, yeah, so from a reporting point of view, there's not been a huge amount of reporting. I mean, this has been going on for four years now. Mm -hmm. um, it's a massive conflict, and you look at the, the scale of the reporting from Iraq, for example, mm -hmm. and Afghanistan, um, Syria, till you know, which, which and it's been overshadowed by the the Syrian conflict as well. It has, hasn't it? Yeah, to, to a large extent, and I think the news agenda here is focused on Brexit. Um, we've had Donald Trump in America every other day coming out with something um, entertaining. entertaining. Yes. Um, so Yemen, yeah, in terms of issues, is, is weighed down, I think, the news agenda um, for uh, for much of the world, I think. And yeah. it is an obscure country, and it's a complex conflict as well, which I think um, you know, you know, makes it more difficult to report. Particularly, I go back to the point of, you know, Often when you go into conflict zones, what you find happens on the ground is a lot different from the propaganda that's put out by both sides. Um, and I think it's been difficult to cut through that kind of fog of war with Yemen so far. Um, as I said, there's been some excellent reporting from um, 
reporters with the New York Times and, yeah. and CNN and that bit. So it's been kind of limited, I think. So, like I said, let's cut through the fog of war. So, you know, it's difficult to see who the good you would like to think in terms of good guys and bad guys. Mm -hmm. And I've been looking at this for such a long time. I don't know who the good the goodies and the baddies are anymore. I mean, it, it, are there any good guys in this war? I mean, um, the Saudi-led coalition um, has been accused of, of multiple um, war crimes. I did a report last November revealing that the UK government had been notified of 366 alleged war crimes mm. by the Saudi-led coalition, um, but only 79 investigations have been carried out by, they've got a, um, the coalition's joint incident assessment team, mm -hmm. um, which has been accused by Human Rights um, Human Rights Watch and other um, NGOs of failing to properly investigate war crimes. Um, in 2017, UN blacklisted the coalition for killing children. Uh, I think there were 683 casualties, plus for attacks on schools and hospitals. Um, but the Houthis have also been blacklisted as well. They've also been accused of taking hostages, yeah. um, recruiting child soldiers. So both warring parties have, um, have been accused of you know, various serious crimes. Yes. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like there's any chance of these getting investigated or, or, or punished anytime soon, does there? Not at all, no. Um, and the UK has been opposed to um, independent investigations. Why? I don't um, get that. I don't understand. Well, the, the UK and America and France have backed Saudi Arabia. That's their strategic partner um, in the Middle East. It's a bulwark against Iranian influence. Mm. Um, so they've... The UK government's position has been that they're supporting an important ally who helps the UK in the war against terrorism, if you mm. want to call it that. Um, so they've been loath to criticise the Saudis, um, as have America. The arms deals are, are a huge part of that as well. Um, we've The UK government has licensed 4.7 billion worth of arms. Geysers. To Saudi Arabia since um, since March two thousand and fifteen, so it's Crazy. massive. You know, it's a huge um, financial. Um, Why is it that this is something I've always wondered? So it, it's almost a case of so if we're looking at it in terms of like a, a, a proxy war, and we're it comes down to Iran versus Saudi Arabia. Why is it that the West is? on the side with Saudi Arabia rather than Iran. Because when we look at some of the, especially with the Khashoggi uh, murder, and we can call it a murder now, I mean, we still haven't found the, the, the guy's body, but it has been recognised. This is, you know, he was murdered in the embassy. And I think even the CIA have concluded that, you know, the order came from the Saudi royal family, perhaps from MBS himself. So why is this regime an ally and Iran isn't oil. a $50 million dollar question, isn't well, it? Oil um, is, a, is a huge part of that. Um, again, Saudi Arabia has been a long-term strategic partner for the US mm. uh, and the UK. Um, Iran has links to the Russians, mm. so there's that dynamic as right. well. Um, uh, you've got the... Israel-Palestine issue in the Middle East. You've got Hezbollah on Israel's border. They're backed by Iran. 
Um, so you've got a lot of different dynamics yeah. to the, the, the Iranian Saudi thing, and then it's the Shiai Sunni dynamic as well. It's a strange one. Saudi Arabia's human rights record is absolutely appalling. Um, they've been accused of funding terrorism around the world. Mm. Um, Iran's human rights record is much better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the main point is that the, it's a hugely important partner for America, particularly. Um, and that's been cemented with Donald Trump. Um, and um, they did a £110 billion arms deals with yes. the, the Saudis not so long ago. Um, United Arab Emirates have just struck a big deal with America as well mm. for Patriot missiles. Um, so financially, um, there's strong ties there, less so with Iran. Yeah, the, the, now these, these arms deals have been going on for a little while. And let's not let's not kid ourselves. This isn't this isn't a new trader business. But it it seems ever since the the Khashoggi murder, we're starting to focus on it a little bit more. Um, because it's kind of shining, like, as I said before, shining this big spotlight on you know behavior things which have been tolerated or indeed ordered by the the, the ruler of this of, of this country we call an ally has there been any certainly we've there's been a lot more coverage of the Khashoggi murder than there has the war in Yemen as well that also should be said the in terms of public perception after that that murder is this starting to impact in any way? Is it starting, do you think, to, to affect the relationship that Saudi Arabia has with its Western partners? Because I know that in the, in the US Congress, they've made a lot of moves in recent months to, to try and pull out of this coalition that's at work in Yemen, haven't they? Yeah, um, there's certainly been pressure put on uh, the Trump administration um, to stop supplying weapons. Germany's um, stopping supplying arms as a result. Mm -hmm. um, there's been pressure on the UK, um, but so far the UK government hasn't given any indication whatsoever that it's prepared to, um, to stop selling paper for missiles, for example. They're facing a legal challenge shortly. Campaign against the arms trade um, took them to court a couple of years ago, arguing um, that uh, the arms sales to Saudi Arabia were in breach of international humanitarian law. They lost that, but they've appealed, and the appeal is due to be heard, I think it's next month. Okay. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. The House of Lords um, ruled a couple of weeks ago that um, arms sales to UK arms sales to Saudi Arabia were, were unlawful. Um, the UK government has remained steadfast in its support for Saudi Arabia, and there doesn't appear to be any indication at this point that that's about to change anytime soon. Um, although they have, um, the UK government announced this week um, £200 um, million pounds worth of aid mm. to Yemen as well. So they are providing aid, but while at the same time they're providing um, the, the weaponry that's been used to. Right. to you know. And uh, the big problem is the the... The war crimes, the allegations of war crimes made against the Saudis. I mean, this has been running now for four years, and they've been constant. Um, there was a huge outcry last August. There was forty-four children killed on a school bus um, by a Saudi airstrike mm. by the coalition. Um, that was linked back 
to Raytheon, although um, the missile appears to have been, bomb appears to have been made in America. There's kind of periodic outrage, and then it dies down. Mm -hmm. um, the Khashoggi case um, certainly put the, the spotlight on Saudi Arabia's human rights record, hugely embarrassing for um, MBS, mm. um, although they're denying that he had any knowledge of what happened. They're saying it was a rogue operation. There's 11 people going to go on trial. Mm. Um, as a, an immediate response to that, some um, international organisations and political leaders boycotted Davos in the desert, which yes. was a big business summit. Um, Liam Fox didn't go. The Scottish government um, withdrew a representative they were going to send out to right. um, build up um, business links. Uh, but, um, you know, Braithian still sent their representatives to the to the meeting mm -hmm. and it seemed to be a cosmetic gesture back to business as usual. So, you know, mm -hmm. there has been um, a huge embarrassment for the Saudis, I think, a lot of spotlight on what's happening, but nothing real in terms of, um, yet, yeah, of, of, you know, something major happening. It's proven hugely costly to the Saudis. They don't seem to be in a position that they're going to win this war anytime soon. Which is crazy when you think about it, because, you know, the, the Saudis, you know, they have a lot of wealth and resource at their disposal. The Houthis, I don't know, do they have planes? I mean, it's the, it's a, it doesn't seem like a, a balanced conflict, and yet it's, I think MBS, when he went in, his intention was just to get in and out and crush them within a matter of weeks, but it's still dragging on. Yeah, and I think the initial thought was they could go in and bomb them into submission very, very quickly, but, you know, that hasn't happened. Um, so, yeah, so it's a huge problem for Saudi Arabia. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, that spotlight is now on them. Um, you know, and there's they don't seem to be... Um, these are alleged war crimes mostly coming from airstrikes using smart bombs, which are precision-guided missiles. So why are there so many yeah. alleged war crimes? They're denying that they're, they're targeting schools and hospitals and civilian structures and fields and factories, you know, but there's been hundreds of, of, of claims of, of war crimes in, in over four years now. This isn't just the odd one. Uh -huh. um, so, you know, there's strong evidence to suggest that they are deliberately targeting civilian structures, although they, they deny that. Yeah. Um, Maybe there's just like 400 or so of these missiles that aren't aren't working properly. I mean, is that the is that the uh, the, the the suggestion? I mean, like you say, is that many? Well, Raytheon describes themselves as the the world's leading supplier of of, of smart bombs. Yeah. Um, I think part of the problem is that the conflict doesn't resonate so wide, widely with the public as well. It's yeah. still quite obscure. So you know, the, the, there are small pockets of outrage at the time. A lot of people, it just doesn't chime with them, um, unfortunately, uh, which is a huge problem. Again, that goes back to, you know, make it as a journalist, you're trying to make that link, yeah. you know, why people in Scotland should should care, should care about <laughs> Yemen. Well, you well, know, the, the link is that you've happened upon. Uh, yeah, there's a huge be, factory yeah. in Fife making um, smart bombs yeah. that are being used by the Saudis, uh, you know, and, and Raytheon wouldn't have any control over how the Saudis use these weapons. You know, yeah. but, but there's that link there. So it's a it's a debate about human rights. You know, our complicity, alleged complicity in, in war crimes, perhaps, yeah. and and you know the the UK government's response to that, and the Scottish government's response to that as well. The Scottish government, um, 
have criticised um, some of the attacks. Um, some SNP politicians have been quite um, outspoken, but Douglas Champman, MP, mm. for example. But they've been accused of hypocrisy by campaigning against the arms trade and Scottish Greens, who are saying, you know, you're, you're giving taxpayers' money to Raytheon uh, in Fife, while at the same time you know, condemning uh, airstrikes. Um, the UK government, um, again, has repeatedly said that its arms export control system is the most, quote, robust anywhere in the world, um, and that they're backing the Saudis and there's no intention to, to stop backing the Saudis. Mm. So. It's, do you think that this is an, an industry, perhaps, that, that people aren't aware of? You hear about, you know, the arms trade and it's murky and it's, you know, but it always feels like something that's further away. It doesn't feel like it's, you know, just on the bridge, just over the bridge on the train, you know, and then you rock up at what is likely to be a factory selling missiles that could, uh, or making parts for missiles that could end up on some Yemeni school. Um, yeah, I mean, the arms industry in Scotland's um, a big employer. You've got Raytheon and Fife, more than 700 people. You've got BAA, BAE Systems, mm. um, which is a big employer. Uh, they um, provide the Saudis with tornadoes and typhoons, huh, yeah. um, fighter jets that have been involved in the conflict as well. Um, you've got uh, Leonardo's, which is a big Italian firm in Edinburgh. All right. Um, they are the seventh largest arms firm in the world. Uh, you've got Chemring um, in Ayrshire. Uh, they're another large arms firm. So there is a substantial um, arms industry in Scotland. So, yeah. so this is, you know, and then I guess they would be, if there's that many firms, I didn't, I didn't realise there was that many arms firms <laughs> operating in Scotland, I have to confess. So the, these people will be, or these companies rather, will be, you know, having a massive contribution to the Scottish economy, one would assume. Yeah, yeah, they do, as I said. Um, I don't know the employment figures for the systems, um, but certainly Raytheon mm. told me that they employ more than 700 people. Uh, in Glen Office, so you've got the supply business for that as well. Mm. Um, so it's a major contributor to the, the, the Scottish economy. So what does so what's the Scottish government's position on this? Because the, the I mean, obviously right now we're recording this in February 2019. Right now the the focus is very much on Brexit. I mean, you can run, but you can't hide. There is no escaping this story. Um, <sighs> And the Scottish government has lots to say on this, lots of things to say when they're, you know, when when the story seats them. But well, what have they said? I mean, what's the Scottish government's position on when it comes to the war in Yemen and perhaps alleged Scottish complicity in this? Have they said anything about it, or is this um, the Scottish government's official position has been that it doesn't fund the arms industry, right? Um, for example, the, the 200,000 that is given to, to Raytheon, um, the Scottish government has insisted that that, is not, that does not go towards munitions. It has gone towards, for example, expanding facil facilities management at the, at the factory. Um, some of its uh, answers have been quite vague. And as I said earlier, there's been criticism by some organisations of the Scottish government's position. Mm. 
it doesn't seem clear what exactly they're, they're funding, although they do insist that they're not funding the arms industry. Right. But these companies who happen to make parts for the arms industry are being funded with public money. Yeah, yeah. Raytheon's had £200,000, just over £200,000 in um, a series of grants over the last uh, nine, ten years. Crikey. It's amazing what you can get grant money for nowadays, isn't it? Um, <laughs> like, um... Yeah, I mean, Leonardo, the Italian arms firm, have received six million. Six million? Scottish government funding, yeah. What was that for? Um, again, not quite clear. Um, the Scottish government says it's not to... Um, they don't fund the arms industry. Um, Leonardo won't say, so... Uh, but there must be some degree of transparency. I mean, this is public money. I mean, sort of Scottish Enterprise is one of these, you know, these bodies set up to distribute funds to help regenerate parts of the economy, yes? But it's still money coming from the public purse. It's still, these are still grants that, you know, I'm helping fund with my tax. So there must be some kind of transparency, you know, about what the big it's been ex- is. Yeah, it's been extremely limited and any information I've managed to get has been through freedom of information requests. Mm. So they've revealed how much they've paid and given you one line basically on what that was for. Um, so it's been difficult to get the information from them. But again, they insist that, you know, the, the money is not going towards funding the, the manufacture of munitions. I don't know how to square that, to be honest. So maybe that's like a really expensive redesign of <laughs> the building. <laughs> expensive Italian marble in the corridors of the offices. I really don't know. So, I mean, so I guess given the, let's put the, the sort of the development grants to one side, because, I mean, I, this is something that I know that you're still doggedly pursuing because there's still money trails to be followed and, and so on and so forth. But I, I, I guess there's not much more of an incentive for the you know the UK or the Scottish governments to, to to do anything about this. This is a you know this industry is a massive employer, generates a fair bit of money. So it, unless more people I, I guess know about what's going on, there's little incentive for them to to change. Yeah, I mean the UK government's position is that the arms industry, I mean I think the UK is now the second biggest arms supplier in the world as a, as a nation. Mm. Um, so it's huge. It's absolutely massive. Um, and the Conservative government at Westminster, their position seems to have been since coming to power that um, the business deals are more important than human rights concerns. One could possibly argue, though, that that's something that, you know, business deals often tend to trump humanitarian concerns worldwide it's i guess you'd say it's not just the you know in the uk but the germans not quite keen to to, to start up uh, was it the french who were wanting to start up selling arms to saudi arabia again as well there seems to be this constant tug of war and that publicly you want to chastise the saudis and and and, and slam what's been happening because um, it's a dirty dirty war it's not a good conflict at all but you know you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you almost, do you? Yeah, well, the argument is that if Britain's not supplying the weaponry, they'll get them somewhere else, mm. um, you know, and the impact of that economically could be significant. Um, you know, so that's that's the debate about, you know, do what's more important, the human rights concerns or or the, or the business deals. Um, 
Donald Trump's position has been so far that obviously the 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 arms deals he's got with the Saudis and United Arab Emirates are absolutely massive mm. um, to companies like Raytheon, which is a US US firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, they're again arguing the point that the Saudis are an important ally um, um, and provide lots of information about terrorism as well. So, um, I mean, there, there are more questions about the UK's role. Um, my understanding is that the MOD have got around 200 personnel um, that have been advising the Saudis. So um, it's been difficult getting more information on that. So, you know, what exactly has the, the UK's role been aside from selling the, these weapons um, to, to the Saudis? Again, you know, it, it's difficult to get the information. Um, what are they advising them on? Like how to avoid the schools? Or, I mean, I, I, I guess I just kind of, because the, the the overwhelming thing for me, you know, advising them on how to use the weaponry, for example, um, you know the technical aspects. But the understanding is that they have had access to the Royal Saudi Air Force um, HQ as well. Mm. So whether you know how much knowledge do they have about the Saudis' targeting of um, you know you know civilian, you know what knowledge do they have about you know how the Saudis are using the. The, the smart bombs, for example, mm. um, but the MOD, it's extremely difficult to get the information from from the MOD. Mm. Um, some of the information came out uh, in the High Court hearing with campaign against the arms trade, um, but again, there's commercial sensitivity, so governments are um, they, they you know they, they won't reveal much. No, oh well. And so, and on and on we go. And this is, we're almost caught in this, you know, you said that the debates, you know, that, that conflict between, you know, business and human rights and which, you know, which is, is more important. And that's not going to change. That's going to keep going. But the, I guess the more immediate concern here is that this war is raging on, is going to keep going. It's that I can't see an end in sight. Can you? Um, there's... Currently, a fragile ceasefire uh, yeah. in in place. Um, and I have no idea whether that's holding across Yemen. Mm. Um, there was agreement made in Stockholm um, recently uh, that the warring parties met, and they were trying to broker some sort of you know ceasefire to you know, continue discussions. Um, whether that holds or not, we'll have to wait and see. But if you, um, but, you know, the, as I said, the UN. There's a meeting in Geneva today, you know, to try and raise these urgent funds for humanitarian aid for for the country, um, which is desperately needed because of the, the the catastrophic situation. And it is a catastrophic situation. Leaving aside the, you know, it's, it's difficult to see famine because certain conditions have to be met and so on. But you're seeing, you know, kids, you know just in, in, in terrible, terrible conditions, you know. Um, the, the stories which, which do filter out are awful. I think the population is incredibly young because no one is living to a very old age. I mean, it's already Yemen is a country which was on its knees before this kicked off. It was the, it was the poorest country in the Middle East by a long shot, even before all of this kicked off. Let's just say that ceasefire manages to hold and let's just say that they managed to come close to to figuring out a, a, an end to this war which I, i'm not sure i can see at this stage 
the the lasting effects though are going to be enormous, aren't they? Yeah, the the, um, the infrastructure is destroyed in large parts of of Yemen. The health system is virtually collapsed. Um, I think another aspect is the impact on children. Children's mm. education has been hugely uh, disrupted um, because of the conflict. Um, children are, are traumatised with what they've they've witnessed. Um, so the legacy of that, you know, will be for a generation at least. Um, and you know, aid agencies are have been making repeated requests for for urgent help. Um, the economic warfare aspect of the conflict as well means that aid isn't getting through, exacerbating the situation as well. So I mean, it's going to it's going to take years and years and years for Yemen to recover. Another huge problem will be um, the um, munitions, unexploded munitions, which happens in every conflict. You know, the, the the landscape will be littered with you know thousands and thousands and thousands um, of. Uh, munitions that haven't exploded. Um, it means that people can't access farmland. Um, it's dangerous for for the population. You know, so you know, I saw that in um, the aftermath of the 2006 July war with um, Israel and Hezbollah. Mm. Um, you know, the amount of um, uh, cluster bombs that have been dropped on southern Lebanon at that time, they're still clearing them off, you know. Mm. So um, that's... A lot of people don't realise that. I mean, you've got the same problem in Iraq and Afghanistan. Every conflict zone will have that problem. Yeah. You know, the, the legacy, so it lasts for for decades. Decades. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if not longer. Yeah. It's uh, it's astonishing just to... When I was reporting on this about, what, three years ago, the, 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 the stat that we used to always try and shoehorn in was that, you know, at least 80% of the country is reliant on external aid. Mm-hmm. at least 80%. And when you take a step back and think about that, it really is quite, it, it, it really does make you pause for a thought. And it's, we would always refer to it as this forgotten war because this is going on now and you barely hear about it. And it's, uh, I guess for me personally, it's it, it does make you stop and think that in some way, that our country here in Scotland, we are in part complicit with it. We're helping to to manufacture things which are being used in that in that war. Yeah, certainly Scotland has a role in what's happening in in Yemen. It has we we've had that role for the last four years and this situation is absolutely dire. Um, you know, so as a journalist just trying to make people aware of that, you know, there is, there's, there's a big arms industry in Scotland that is very important to the economy, um, you know. But the the impact of, of what we make, um, smart bombs are you know are landing every day on you know on, on the Yemeni population. You know. uh, yeah. And the, the Saudis, it does seem there's strong evidence that it's indiscriminate bombing. Right. Um, you know, uh, lots of. More than 600 allegations of war crimes. They're not getting investigated properly. There's no independent investigations. No. And there's the risk, um, as the House of Lords ruled a couple of weeks ago, that the UK is complicit in breaching international humanitarian law. Uh, Just marvellous, but we don't hear about that because we're too busy talking about Article 50 and what Brexit we all want. It's crazy, isn't it? It's been completely um, sidelined yeah. as a... Um, as a as an issue, 
um, the Syrian conflict, Brexit, you know, Donald Trump in America. Uh, it just doesn't make the headlines. It just it sucks up all the oxygen, doesn't it? Well, we are doing what we can here on the the, the podcast, certainly, to try and, and 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 shine a light on these stories that you know are underreported for 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 whatever reason. Um, the, the lovely cheery conversation, Billy. Thank you very much indeed. <laughs> uh, just before we wind it up, is there anything that you know? If any listeners are wanting to hear more about this um, and, and and want to find out more, obviously, you've been reporting on this extensively for quite a while. Um, we will post some, some links to um, your work. But is there anything that you would want people, um, you know, if there's only one thing they took away from this conversation, what, what would you want it to be? What do you think, you know, is, is the important takeaway here? And I think just that Scottish connection to something that's happened very far away and it might seem to be you know obscure and unrelated but it, you know scotland's been a, playing a big part in what's happening in, in yemen um you know read up have a think about it you know and um you know the, if you go on the ferret website you know all my stories on yemen are there yes. um so there's a lot of background information um yeah just it's about raising awareness and getting people to think about um what's happening yeah. and um the impact that you know we're having in Scotland on a, um, a war of thousands of miles away. Absolutely. Well, that's well. Thanks for for reporting on this and for for, for ferreting away. Uh, keep bashing those FOI requests and hopefully we'll find out um, what that six million odd quid is going on. And if there is six million odd quid going spare for people to, um, you know, get invested in, we should see if we can put a little uh, little application in, boys. Um, let's uh, th- thank you so much, though, Billy. That's brilliant. And if you want to um, read more from Billy, you are on Twitter, aren't you? It's at Billy Briggs. Um, yep. You also have your own website, don't you? Yeah, www.billybriggs.co.uk. Excellent. So um, that's that, those are ways to, to keep in touch with what Billy's working on. The best way, of course, to see uh, Billy's work is by reading The Ferret. This independent, non-profit investigative journalism platform is owned and run by its members. It's also behind most of the scoops uh, here in Scotland. So if you want to stay ahead of the curve and hear more uh, about these kinds of stories, do head to theferret.scot to find out more. And, of course, if you use the code OUTWITH19 when you subscribe, you'll get either a £9 discount on an annual membership, which is pretty good, actually. It's about a third off. It's not a bad discount at all. Or if you want a monthly subscription, use the code OUTWITH19 and you will get your first three months free. Thank you very much uh, for joining us on the podcast today. Remember to hit subscribe, leave us a review, a nice one. Please leave us a nice review, please. The, you, the nasty reviews, you can just email me personally. Um, but uh, do subscribe, leave us a review, and um, you'll be already prepared for when the next episode drops. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye.